So the first thing I want to ask y'all tonight, um, as we look at these three chapters, um, is what makes you American? What do you think makes you American? Yes. Being a citizen. Okay, being a citizen, yeah. Drinking Coke. Drinking Coke makes you American, okay. Being born in America. Born in America, okay. Yes. Raised in America. Raised in America. You know, Coke actually tastes better in other parts of the world. I hate to break that to you. Yes. Okay, so where your family or lineage is from? Yeah, yeah. Helping out other people, like, in America. Okay. Okay, so helping a neighbor. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Paying taxes. Paying taxes. Yep, everyone loves paying taxes. Okay. What else? So someone mentioned being raised here. What are you raised on as an American? Like what are the what what are the, what are the values? Oh freedom. Okay, freedom. No one's mentioned freedom. It took us like three minutes and like that's the first thing people scream. Right, there you go. Thank you. Freedom. Right? So, freedom. Yes? Corn syrup and sugar. That's right. There's an American diet right there. Coffee. Coffee. Still probably. Sweet tea. Sweet tea. Yes. Sweet tea. That's a good one. That's a good one. Calm down. Calm down. You can fight about that later. Um. So the reason why I ask that is because um, tonight as we continue to look at the unfolding of the law, and we're going to look at it a little bit more in depth tonight as chapters 21 through 23 roll out more and more situations about how do the Ten Commandments actually play themselves out for the Israelites and their culture. And so that's why tonight is a little bit of a, of a burden, a little bit of a bear, but we're going to make it through. This is a very, if you were to, we won't read the whole thing tonight because I'm not going to say to read three chapters, but we will go through and summarize some of it. Um, it's weird. There's some weird things in these three chapters. There's some uncomfortable things. If you were to read these three chapters, you're going to read things and go, huh? Or that makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, you can just read chapter 21, verse 2, and you should already be immediately thinking, wait, whoa, 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 the brakes. Okay? So we're going to talk through some of that tonight. Um, and the reason why I said or asked you what makes you American, what also makes you American is the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. Uh, the values that your family brought you up in that were probably passed down as American values, independence, right? All these things are things that make you American, and they're the laws or the institutions or the statutes that this society that you're living in are built around. So who you are is reflected by the laws and statutes and things in this culture that have made you to be who you are and how you choose to live, and the same thing is true of the laws for the Israelites. So before we go into that, though, I think this is an important moment to go back and remember that 
there was a covenant given to Abraham a long time ago in Genesis. And the covenant to Abraham was given, and the promise to Abraham was your descendants will be as numerous as the stars, and that they will be a... What? A great nation, yep. And a blessing to the nations. Right? And a blessing to the nations. They will follow the laws of the covenant relationship that God has given them in the Ten Commandments and laws that now follow that. So we're going to go through that. All these laws that we're going to look at and commandments are meant to be an identifier that Israel was God's people. And therefore, they were his representation here on earth. This is true of me and you as well. Do you realize that when you say you're a Christian and you don't hold to anything that's in here, you're living a lie. If you say that you're a Christian and you have no desire to follow the commandments of God, you're living deceiving yourself. And what the Israelites are understanding right now is that God has a way that he wants his people to live. God has a way that he wants his people to worship him. God has a way that he wants his people to interact with one another and those outside their people. And if God's people do not walk in those commandments, but choose to walk in other laws that they set up or that other not countries, but nations set up, they will cease to be God's people, right? So as the nation saw that these people were, the nation saw that these people were God's people, through their actions, the hope would be that they would also come to a realization that the God of the Israelites is the one true God. You see, if we or the Israelites claim to be God's people, but possess or show none of the desires or none of his desires and characteristics in our decisions, culture, or values, then we will cease to be a blessing to the nations. See how that works? If we are not walking in the things that God has called us to, we are no longer a blessing to the nations in the covenant that the Lord had given to Abraham. God is saying, I want you to reflect my kingdom and my culture. I want the world to see that you are different because you are mine. And I am different than any other God and any other people in this world. All the tiny gods, all the idols. I want you to be my people. And this is how my people will operate. So Exodus 21 verse 1, he says this. Now, these are the rules that you shall set before them. Okay, so he just came off the Ten Commandments in verse tw- or chapter 20. And now he's about to roll out for three chapters Just a couple of the ways those commandments actually take place in and for these people. So he says, these are the rules that you shall set set before them. Rules could also be judgments here. So what you're going to see here in a second is that these are written as a law first. And then if this law is offended or there's an offense against the law, and then there's a judgment for that offense. 
Okay? This was known as the Book of the Covenant, and all the laws and situations and judgments that follow are to be helpful. We may read them as weird, confusing, I don't understand, but they're meant to be helpful. They're meant to be given to the people to show them, hey, as you walk out these things in your life, this is why I've called you to them. And what we're going to see, hopefully, at the end is that even though it may seem very strange for us in the 21st century, what I don't want you to miss tonight about these three chapters is the heart of God. God's heart is shown in these laws and what he cares about and who he cares about. What you're going to see in these laws is that there are certain people who are protected, first and foremost, for him. And it's the vulnerable, it's the weak, it's the immigrant, it's the one that doesn't have a say. Those are the people that God cares about, his people caring for and not taking advantage of. And we're going to see that our God has so much care and love and justice inside of him that he is not okay with anyone being taken advantage of. He's not okay with anyone who is vulnerable being taken advantage of. He is not okay with everyone around just being about what they want. We are to care for the welfare of others, not for our own. That's God's way. But so often it's not our way. You and I only care about our own welfare. You and I only care about our own feelings and circumstances. So these laws, I'm going to read the summary of a lot of them here. Again, they're written as a law and then an offense and then the judgment. So here's a summary of a couple of them. The first one talks about there's a uh, how to deal with slaves, really servants, Pertaining to freedom, harm, whether or not they can stay with their family or with their married husband or wife. And again, there's a stop moment here, right? You're like, whoa, you just said the word slave. Yes. But the way that you and I understand slave is perverted from what we know about our history here in America. That's not the slave we're talking about here. We're talking about a servant who worked and their abilities and their labor was what was paid for. And what we're going to, you can go ahead and look down at verse 16 and why that's the case. Verse 16 says that God is not okay with you taking or capturing someone and then selling them. There's a big difference here when God talks about the slave or the servant or the bond servant. So the next thing the law here talks about is a child who strikes their father or mother being put to death. Good thing that's not today, right? Or the child who speaks a curse on their father or mother being put to death. It's pretty harsh. But again, what does this go back to? This goes back to the Ten Commandments. That in a flourishing society that we are to honor our father and mother. 
And that there's punishment, there's judgment for the action to rebel against that. There's also talks about how to deal with murdering a pregnant woman. You might be thinking, what in the world? Why is that in here? Uh, There's talk about how to deal with an ox that may have killed another ox. Right? And none of y'all are going to care about that because you're like, I don't care about ox. I don't have livestock. But again, it's not about the specific law. It's about the fact that God cares about justice. And God cares about the people being taken advantage of. It, later it talks about sacrificing the other gods, the immigrant or the sojourner or the exile, that they are treated as their own as they come into their country. There's talk of lying and giving false report, dealing with money between people, sexual immorality with other wives, animals, and sorceresses, arson, borrowing things from a neighbor. All these things are listed out in these three chapters. I haven't piqued your interest yet to read these three chapters. I can keep reading examples. Right. But again, I don't want us to get lost in all the details of this and this and this and this and miss what these things are supposed to point to. And again, for us in 21st century, this doesn't make sense. This seems a little bit harsh. This seems a little bit weird. Just an example, what would have been super weird and probably seen as some kind of torture or uh, I don't know what are the words you uh, disrespectful would be Listen, this is what's happening today for us. We take about 25 women and we stick them all into a home together to live together. And then they have to vie for the affection of one guy. To these people, that would have been, what? That's not okay. So we have to understand that in our context and in their context, we will understand the purpose of these differently, which is why I'm saying don't get too caught up in the details to miss that that it's not necessarily about that. Okay, so I need to remember this and because of this and that like I shouldn't curse my parents because apparently you died for that. That's not what I want you to remember. What I want you to remember is that we are seeing the heart of a God that cares about justice. And cares about his people walking out justice and love for those around them and for him. So in Matthew 22, 37 through 39, it says, When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus right here summarizes everything that we're listening to. And he says, forget all of the details for a second, and I'm just going to boil it down to two things that God's people are to be about. Love God and love one another. And if you look through the Ten Commandments, those two things are prevalent through the whole Ten Commandments. Love God and love one another. 
So what <clears throat> you see in these chapters may be confusing and weird. I get it. But if we skip over this section, we will miss the opportunity to know and learn about our God. What do you notice about the Ten Commandments and all the other laws that we just looked through in the judgments? What do you notice about them? Well, as we just talked about, you should notice that there's a concern for the welfare of others. There's a concern for worship of God. And there's a protection and justice for the oppressed, the immigrants, the weak, and the poor. You see, God did not give an exhaustive list of all the judgments. This is not like, here's the whole handbook. Every single situation is in this list. That's not what he did. He gave these judgments and laws, but for the purpose to show the precedents and the models for further legal decisions and ultimately to show why they're important for their society. How would you summarize the types of the people that these laws are seeking to protect? Again, vulnerable, weak, needy, poor, immigrant. All of those he's trying to protect. And we hear this from the heart of Jesus. And Jesus says in Luke 8, 4, 18, this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captive, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. See, our God has his heart set on the vulnerable and the weak. And that's a good thing for each of us sitting in this room here tonight. Because we are the vulnerable and the weak. He sees them. He desires to protect, provide for them. So, of course, his people would be called to do the same. What does this mean? This means that in your friend groups, at your school, on your sports teams, in your home, you are not to take advantage of those that are vulnerable, those that are weak, those that are easy to make fun of, those that are easy to beat, those that are easy to put down. That's not the heart of God. That's not what God's people are about. God's people are about seeing that person and going toward them and saying, hey, I'm here for you. I want to care for you as I have been cared for. God has set his heart also on preserving human life and respecting its inherent value. And so he deals harshly with those who do not. This is where the commandment of thou shalt not murder comes from, right? God is not willy-nilly about life. Because every single one of you were made in the image of God. You have value because of that. And God sees that value often when we don't. Often when we don't see value in other people, we stop living as people of God. And we start living as people of the world. People of our friend groups. Our God has set his heart on how he desires to be worshipped. 
And so he will deal harshly and with judgment on those who do not worship him correctly or who worship other gods. Again, his heart is set on how to worship. It sets us as people apart, right? Because here's the difference. You come here to church on a Sunday morning. Other religions do very different things to worship their God or gods. God has set a way that he wants to be worshipped. And last, God's heart is set on his people, that his people would love him and love one another for his glory and their good. Again, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. So I want you to think, am I living as a person or a people of God? Are these things, these two things here true of your life? Do you love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And are you loving one another as you love yourself? And all of the law and the prophets hang on these two things about what God's people are supposed to be like. See God's heart here in Exodus Our God is unlike any other. He is good and loving to his people. He protects and provides for the vulnerable. He preserves and protects life that he has created. He is worthy of our worship as he has asked for it. He is the one true and living God. So again, do you believe that? Do you believe that God is the one true and living God? Because depending on how you answer that question, the two things we just talked about should follow that. Because if I believe that this God that we talk about, that we come here on Wednesday nights to talk about, you come on Sundays to talk about, to listen, preach, to worship. Here's the deal. If you come in here and you sit here, you open your Bible, you listen for 30 minutes, you close it up, you leave here, and nothing about your life says that I love the Lord with all my mind, soul, body, and strength, and I'm loving my neighbor as myself. Not perfectly because I can't. Are those things true of your life? Are you a person who belongs to the kingdom of God. In the same way that someone would look at you and say, oh, you must be American. If you ever travel outside America, sometimes people will point at us because we're loud and because uh, other countries aren't. Um, They know right away, like, oh, they must be American. What if people knew Oh, 
they must be one of those God people. They must be one of those Jesus followers. Because I've never had anyone love me like they have chosen to love me at the expense of the things that they love. And man, have you ever heard them talk about their God? They love him. Have you heard about the stuff that they, to- they told me that he did for them? What if people pointed at us more and said, oh, you must be one of those Jesus people. See God's heart. Fix your eyes on who he is and what he cares about. Be amazed by his goodness and justice. We serve a great and magnificent God. I don't want you to doubt that. The God that we serve, that we call the one true and holy God is good and amazing. If you don't believe me, I want to read to you. King David said this about God and his law. He said, with my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things from your law. Teach me, Lord, the way of your statutes. And I will keep it to the end. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day long. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies. And it is with me forever. For I find delight in your commandments, which I love. How does David get to a place of being just overwhelmed by the law of God? It's not because he knows the law first. It's because he knows the God of the law. And he knows that God has protected him, has preserved him, has given him everything he needs. And anything that comes from him back to David is amazing. And David has started to walk out the law in his life. And he is seeing it affect his life. Here's the thing I think we do a lot. We talk about a lot of things that we could be doing as Christians. We never actually walk out doing them. This is why most of the time people don't point at us and say, oh, you must be one of those Jesus people. We need to start walking out the things that we talk about in here. Notice I'm saying we. This is me and you. We do this all the time. We talk and talk and talk, but we will never take a step out in faith to actually do it. What I'm hoping that you hear from David's heart and what he sees is it's worth it. It's better. The God that you're stepping out in faith on is worth it. Here's the best news of all. He has given us the ability to love, desire, and follow these things. 
Because Jesus has freed us from sin, which is opposed to God's law. And now through the spirit of God at work within us, we will desire and love what he desires and loves. Here, look at me. It is no longer working hard enough, trying hard enough. You don't have to do that. God has given you the opportunity to have his spirit to change your heart. To desire the things that we just talked about. What it takes is to say, God, change my heart. Forgive me for going these ways, choosing these things. Help me to love you and to love my neighbor. And how do I know this? Hebrews 10, 14 through 18 says this. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. This is the covenant that I will make with them declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Here's the best news. You don't have to follow the law to be accepted or to be given the ability to follow the law. In Jesus, we have the ability to say, I can't do this. Help me to do this. And as we do that over and over again, the Lord changes our heart. The Holy Spirit starts to change our heart because he promises that he's taking literally the things we just talked about. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And loving your neighbor as itself. And he is writing it on our hearts. That you can do it. Not through your power, not through the power of a friend group, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. When you read about the law, I want you to first think this. This is a law from a God who has loved me beyond what I deserve. And he has given the very best in boundaries and guidelines for me to flourish. May we look deep into his law and find life, hope, help, and delight.